you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Andy Alsop. Welcome, Andy. Well, thanks for having me. Today will be a fun day. We're going to talk about employee supremacy. But before we do that, Andy, I'd love to know a little bit more about who you are and how you ended up where you are right now. So I am calling you from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, that is my home base, but our company is based in uh, Denver, Colorado. And um, how I got here has been as an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, all the way from the point when I started a paper route. Oh, and I also uh, started other kind of small businesses and I've always been sort of entrepreneurial. Never worked at a big company. Uh, I worked at a big restaurant company for maybe a year and a half, but that was the whole whole stint of it. And uh, I have arrived where I am by going through a lot of different businesses, trying a lot of different things, failing a large number of times, um, and then landing on the company I have now, which is something that I uh, purchased back in 2015, and that's a visitor management company that uh, welcomes visitors to when they come into an office, they check in on an iPad uh, called the receptionist, and it's sort of how I got here. Fantastic, fantastic. That sounds uh, eventful. That sounds eventful. Um, before we started talking here, we were we were talking about a concept you call employee supremacy. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about that? Sure. I like to just kind of recognize it as a contrast. Um, when you're thinking about running a company, you, uh, in many cases, will be thinking about shareholder supremacy, goes back to the early 70s, shareholder primacy. And shareholder supremacy basically means that everything you do as a leader of a company is to increase the value of the shares for the shareholders almost at all costs. And in some cases doing things that may, in some cases, as you may look around uh, at what companies are doing, sometimes doing it unethically, but that's the goal under shareholder supremacy. The contrast that I always like to talk about is a shift in perception and one to that, that is really about employee supremacy. And instead of it all being about increasing the value of the holdings that the shareholders have is really what you're doing is focusing your decision-making at the very top of a company all the way down on the needs of your employees. And by doing so, you actually increase the value of the company significantly, and you actually create a much more intrinsically valuable company as a result. It's the way we run the receptionist. We've grown it to, you know, it's a little over $5 million a year uh, in revenue. And we have uh, about 5,000 locations around the world using our software. So I think we've, we've had some success. And I only say that because we've done that using this employee supremacy model of thinking. And we have had every single employee at our company, not one person with exception of one has voluntarily left our company in the seven years history of our company. So I think that uh, tests to the fact that we have a core of very strong employees who 
feel feel a, a passion for what we're doing. Uh, so we're not churning and burning through our employees. That sounds fantastic. I think uh, particularly in these days, definitely employee retention is uh, is a big thing for many companies and definitely a lot of companies struggling with it. So. What, yeah. what about just general engagement? I mean, I assume when, when you treat people well, uh, which we definitely try to do as well, um, you know, it ends up with better results anyway, right? Because people people want to feel empowered. They want to feel important, really. So what, what's your scene in terms of performance and so on? Engagement and performance is something that has... I mean, maybe what I'll do is actually just step back a little bit. I've been running companies now for over 25 years and I've been running them in the old way, which is I've got to make sure that the shareholders get their return for their investment. And so I'm making decisions that might be contrary to what employees uh, would like to see. Maybe I'm being um, a little bit overbearing about we have to get these done and we uh, have to operate in this way or we have to reduce expenses or whatever else it's been. And what I've seen is that I have been in conflict in my past companies with what the goals of the employees have been. So I have increased turnover. I have lower retention. I have uh, a, a less engaged employees who basically are there to work for the company and make their money and then go home and then live their lives. What I see now is I am not dealing with the traditional management sort of nightmares that end up happening with all of the conflicts. Now, I have uh, recruited a team of leaders in my organization who all recognize and believe the way I do in employee supremacy. And so they recognize that by putting the time in to really work with the employees to make sure they understand what their needs are as well, and to understand what is it that makes them tick and what's important to them. They're aligned with their employees and those employees are engaged. And, employee, and employees who are engaged and satisfied do an amazing thing for the customer. We don't really actually have to tell them, you need to go and be nice to the customer or you need to read from this script or whatever else. Our employees are giving our, our customers authentic experiences that when they come back, I actually was just in, in Albuquerque, which is about an hour away from my, my home here in my home office. Uh, and I was just visiting one of our customers down there. And he said, this is probably some of the best customer su uh, support experiences and customer experiences that I get. I feel like I can call your company and they are doing what's in my best interest. And so that level has actually even translated to things like uh, we get an enormous number of referrals to our company because our customers are so engaged because our employees are so engaged. So it really is sort of a self-feeding mechanism when you run under employee supremacy and start to get into that mindset. Yep. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think generally we focus a lot on, on employee development and, and really giving people ownership and so on, right? Which I think is, is critically important as well, but it definitely sounds like some of the similar benefits, right? Um, can, can, you tell some, can you tell a little bit more details about, I mean, putting the employee first, that sounds great, but but do you have some, some good examples or some more details of how you actually do that? Yeah, so... 
this is what's great is when you're trying to figure out maybe an employee benefit, or you're trying to figure something out. If you're coming from a shareholder supremacy kind of way, when you're figuring out an, an employee benefit, you're trying to figure out what's the least amount of money I can invest in my employees so that I can get whatever return I'm looking for. When you do it under employee supremacy, you're really looking at what's going to make the employees feel trusted, feel heard, feel whatever. So, uh, I mean, some of the examples, and this is not new, other companies do this, but like, for instance, we have a travel fund um, and we give an, uh, each employee a certain amount of money every year that they can use towards traveling. So they can go you know, and take vacations. One of the things we heard when we were listening to our employees is, you know, I don't have a lot of extra money. You keep telling me to go on vacation and take care of myself. And we said, okay, why don't we go ahead and we'll give you the money so you can actually go and, and, and take vacations. So we instituted a, a vacation fund for each one of our employees. And it's, it's amazing that, that that travel fund, that vacation fund becomes a pot of money that they manage and they look at and they think to themselves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take this vacation, but maybe I'll use it to pay for this or whatever. And they're thinking about how they're going to take time away from work so that they can actually kind of decompress. That's just one of the many ways. We've, we've implemented a lot of different um, things that have been focused on the employees. Another one, I mean, I've talked to a lot of company leaders and they've said, you know, what we do is we wanna make sure that we, we give our employees the health benefits and the benefits necessary so they can kind of feel just good enough. But the last thing we wanna do is actually, you know, have it so that maybe even their you know spouses or their kids are on the plan like if the spouse has a better plan we'd rather have that so we can save that money i look at that and say yeah you can look at it that way that's a that's a shareholder supremacy way of looking at it or what you can do is go to your employees and say we want to give you the absolute best benefits so that you actually want to have your family on our plan because what's going to happen then is the employee feels engendered to the company and then is is making a long-term decision about whether they want to stay with the company or not. So I think those are a couple of the things that when you shift that mentality and you start looking at this idea of employee supremacy and you have your whole management team thinking that way as well, that's what ends up uh, happening as a result. That makes sense. That makes sense. How, how do you know you don't go all bored? Like, because obviously if you're always doing whatever you can to make the employees better, like, Obviously, companies start with limited resources. Mm -hmm. right? So, so how do you how do you balance those two? Because obviously, doing everything you can for an employee versus versus company finances obviously needs to have some consideration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not a free for all, because yeah. in the end, and this is what I always tell our employees: we're not a not for profit. Mm -hmm. We're a for profit business. We're a for profit em entity. So we can't. Um, you know, just go out there and do whatever uh, we want to do. Right? That, that wouldn't be um, responsible stewards for our employees if we're doing employee supremacy, because then what you're doing is jeopardizing the potential of the company existing in the future. So that and my philosophy around this is to always start small and then build. There's a lot of times where you get uh, maybe and I, and I know this from my own past as well as you go out and say, okay, we're going to put this benefit out. 
And we're going to, you know, you do your analysis and everything and you give the maximum that you can out of the benefit. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait, I may have to pull that back. And that is the absolute worst thing you can do is pull something back. So what we always do is we start off small. We, we determine what the engagement with that benefit is, and then we grow it over time. And there's nothing more um, encouraging to an employee when they see something like, okay, that's small, but over time they see it growing. So it's like the benefit might be, let's say in the, you know, the vacation travel fund, it'll be $1,500 a year. Well, we'll grow that to $2,000 a year, maybe the, the year a year later. And that's something you can announce. You can say, look, we're doing better. We have more revenue. We have more resources to do it. But I think one thing that is important is that you have to say that you're a for-profit business. So it's not like you're saying every ounce of profit that we're going to be, you know, that we find is going to go back into, you know, employee supremacy we have to be able to grow the company. We have to be able to reinvest in the products. So it is a, it's a balancing act. But if the employees know that they're at the center of the decision-making, then they are going to do, do grand things for the company. They do things, and this is what I find all the time. I can't be in every meeting. I can't be overlooking everything that's happening. And what I'm finding is, I hear about things that are happening um, that I am so proud of. And it's because we have an engaged uh, you know, group of people who feel like, you know, the company's got my back. I got the company's back as well. Um, so that's, that's essentially how, how we balance it. It's not definitely can't be a, a free for all. It definitely needs to be a balance because in the end, we're a for-profit entity. Yeah, not just for profit. You also don't want to go down. Uh, yeah, that's not going to be helpful for anyone. So yeah, that's not going to help employee morale. That's for sure. No, no definitely. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Any any challenges you have seen with this? Like any any sort of difficulties you have seen with this setup? Or... That's that's a great question. One thing is communication, because one of the things that ends up happening when you say employee supremacy. There, you have to recognize and you have to train and have to teach the team first, what does employee supremacy mean? And it's something we're doing all the time because employee supremacy can be misinterpreted. Um, employees might say, hey, I'm at, the, I'm at the focal of everything, you know, so you're doing this for me and it can be sort of misinterpreted. So there's something that we're constantly doing, which is education around employee supremacy. And the beauty of doing this type of education is that in meetings, our employees will then begin to use examples of employee supremacy in the meetings and how we are actually operating and almost teaching other employees exactly what employee supremacy means. So there has to be this level of education. So I didn't know that at first. And there were some miscommunications around employee supremacy. And that was my fault. I didn't do a good job, you know, with the actual communication. And so we had to go back and we're still doing it every day. We're talking about it. It's an operational model. It's how we operate the company. It doesn't mean that the employees get to do whatever they want or that the employees are the ones there's, you know, employee um, run companies like I think it's Avis, the, the rental car company is an employee run. We're not necessarily an employee run company. 
We are an, a, a traditionally operated company with a management hierarchy, but the difference is that the management and the leaders of the organization are focused on the employees rather than trying to make the shareholder enrich the shareholders. That makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, do you, do you do any kind of uh, sort of profit shares and stuff like that as well, or that's a different mindset, I guess. The thing I've had about, we have done some profit share. The problem that I've had with profit share is that if you are a company like we are and we're investing right right now, we're investing in new product and then investment means there is no profit. There's a problem that ends up happening, which is one or two years, you have some great years and you share some profits, but then you come to a year where you're making an investment and you're actually losing some money and you're consuming cash either that you've made or that you've received through investment and there's no profit. And I've seen this where, you know, employees are like, well, great, we got it in year two and three. Why aren't we getting, you know, profit sharing now? So what I like doing is actually investing in the employees in things that are tangible that they can actually sort of come to expect and are part of our operational model. You know, if the vacation travel fund is is an example, that vacation travel fund is going to stay there and keep going regardless of whether we're investing in the business or not. Yeah, it's, uh, I see definitely lots of companies doing it. I, I definitely like doing it um, in, in certain roles and certain occasions when it makes sense, right? So people who are very directly involved in, in making money in the business, it often makes more sense. But uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. Generally, tell me about some of the issues or mistakes that have happened with this or, or things that have, let's say, gone in a different way than you expected. Yeah, I think it's mostly in the, as I kind of going back to the, to the, the previous point is um, the communication. Uh, I, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are, are generally optimistic people. And so I come out with this great optimism thinking that everything is going to go fantastic and, you know, but it comes down to communication. And I, I can say that about pretty much any one of my prior mistakes or failures is that a lot of it comes down to the communication and you know as uh, entrepreneurial being an entrepreneur as well you do things where sometimes you end up you know you especially in the early days you cut some corners and you basically say okay you know we're going to basically do it this way or we're going to message it this way and then you realize six months down the road, whoa, that didn't have the right messaging. That didn't uh, come across exactly the way I was hoping it would. And so that that is, I think, my biggest failure and something I'm always trying to fight against is to make sure that I'm communicating really well and very clearly about how things work. Um, and our team has grown. And so as a result of that, communication gets even more important because I can't now communicate with everybody one-on-one all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's never easy, right? And uh, communication, it, it, for, for me, it, I mean, both in business, but even in your private life, I mean, it's the most important thing we do, right? So, True. Um, yeah. So just from a high-level standpoint, like if people wanted to roll this out in their business, how would you suggest going about that? Like what's the right way to sort of get started and, and move into something like this? So there's there's two things. One is um, uh, I have studied a lot of Simon Sinek. And I think a lot of this is what's got me to think about that. And it's it's the infinite game. 
So I think that, you know, really focusing on, if you haven't read The Infinite Game, I highly recommend reading The Infinite Game. It's where I actually ended up coming up with a concept of employee supremacy, because the ideas he had uh, within um, The Infinite Game were what led me to the idea that this whole idea of shareholder supremacy is a model that has has been very successful, but what it's done is it's actually breeded companies that are, I I almost call them vapid companies. I mean, some of the companies like, and I don't mind throwing out some companies, but some of them, you know, like Facebook and uh, sometimes Amazon.com, and some of those other companies have been so uh, focused on shareholder supremacy that some of the tactics that they use, you can tell really don't care about the end user or the customer. It's all about this game of being uh, being played to increase shareholder value at all costs, whether it's going to be at the cost of the employees or even the cost of your consumers or your users. You know, there are so many times when I'll go to a, a, a website or I'll go and I'll interact with a, with a company and from that, I'll realize this is all just about shareholder supremacy. They don't care about me as the customer. I am just the, uh, the funds that they want to extract from me so that they can continue their game of shareholder supremacy. So I think that um, Simon Sinek is um, one, of the, one of the most important key kind of pieces that, that, um, that I've focused on. When, when implementing this, like, do you, do you recommend people to just jump all the way into it or what, what sort of thoughts should you have before you do this? Like, particularly if you are operating an existing business, right. And, and, and you're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking this might be a good thing. Um, what, what are the thoughts that are important beforehand? Well, I mean, I think it's to, it's, what I was, uh, let me just talk about what my journey was for this. And what happened was, as I was bringing on uh, my management talent and the different leaders in the organization, I wanted to bring on people who really were employee focused. Now, I was able to do this earlier on in the organization. And, you know, I, I bought this company in 2015. And for, I'd say, the first two or three or four years, we were running under shareholder supremacy. And it was fairly chaotic. Um, and it was as we, I started to bring on the people that I wanted to help run the company that I wanted to make sure that they were like-minded with myself. So I didn't have this, the, the idea of uh, employee supremacy, I only um, developed in the last, let me see, it was the middle of last year. So, you know, maybe it was about 14, 15 months ago. And so I didn't really have this philosophy for how I wanted to run the company, but I knew that I already had a philosophy of making sure that I was putting my employees first. I just didn't know what it was called. So I ended up recruiting um, my management team in such a way, and also along with my co-founder, Delenn Berry, who also had a very employee-centric methodology to his management style. And we added the people that we needed to who were really focused on this type of model. And then um, by doing that, as we began to hire the people who we wanted to add to the company, we were adding the right people. 
the other thing we did was we um, implemented a very, very strict hiring process because I made a lot of hiring mistakes in the in the beginning. So I actually invest, I would say we invest as a company much more heavily in our recruiting than a lot of other companies will in terms of a percentage of salary. We may invest as much as 50% of the salary to make sure that we have a hiring company called uh, Scalability Solutions that does all of our vetting. And they, they and, and, and that company knows exactly what our philosophy is with employee supremacy, and they know uh, who we're looking for. So we may end up with seven, 800 applicants for a particular position, but they're doing all the work to sift through those. And then we hire just the best. And so actually out of our last, I think it is 18 hires, uh, we have retained 16 of those people. And when I look at the statistics before we started that process, we had lost probably, because when I said that we have uh, retained everybody except for one person, um, that is those people who have left the company. Only one person has left the company voluntarily going back to 2015. We had to exit people. And that exiting sure. is a very expensive process. So you can almost do an ROI on it. If you invest in the process at the beginning and you get the right people on the boat, that is going to pay uh, really strong dividends. And I can even see that I've done an analysis of before we invested in hiring, how many people we lost, how many people we trained, how many people had left, how much in investment we had made. And now you look at it, um, after that point where we've really invested in our hiring and make sure that we have people who believe in employee supremacy and they're part of, part of the company. And it makes all the difference in the world in terms of our management on a daily basis, that kind of thing. That, that sounds super interesting, Andy. Definitely a lot of uh, thinking and a lot of uh, cool concepts to think through. So uh, thank you very much for sharing all this. Do you have any great resources? You mentioned Simon Sinek, but any other great resources that you generally recommend have been helpful for you? Well, I mean, one thing, and this isn't maybe as much helpful for me, but um, we put together a five-part uh, podcast series that we recorded in our studios in, in, in Colorado um, on employee supremacy. And it's 20 to 30 minute episodes where we go through everything about our journey in terms of getting to employee supremacy, implementing it, the different examples that we've had. I would love to share that with your listeners um, because I think that is, it describes the journey we took, but it also shows the examples. And it's an interaction between myself and our director of marketing, Michael Ashford, who actually you know hosts our podcasts and things like that. Um, that five-part series doesn't take long, easy to consume. If there are entrepreneurs out there who are really interested in this, in a five-part series, you really understand exactly how to implement this, not only how to implement it, but what our journey was to go through this. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much for that. And, uh, so for yourself, if people are eager to get hold of you or reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? I would say LinkedIn. Uh, it's just LinkedIn slash Andy Alsop. Um, is mine. I'm also, you know, on Facebook and, and the others, but I would say LinkedIn is the the best place. And I, I love pretty much every time I do one of these podcasts, I get several people reaching out to me, love to interact with people about, 
you know, what their journey has been like. So I really invite people to to reach out to me. I'm, I'm always out there to help. I, as I said, I don't do this because I'm trying to further my business or, you know, trying to promote myself or anything else. I just really want to see companies operating under employee supremacy. I think it's, I think it's an important shift for people to make in terms of how they run their companies. Yeah. I mean, there's a great quote that I read many years ago from Richard Branson, where he says, you know, uh, don't put the customers first, put the employees first and your business will do great. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's a lot I think that's truth. funny because you, you know, on my screen right now, I have his video up, which says, put your staff first, customers second and shareholders third, Sir Richard Branson. So I actually have that up there. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. That was fantastic to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.